From Ukraine's center, Dnipro, to all points. Kyiv in the north, Odessa in the south, Kharkiv in the northeast, and to Lviv in the far west. Russia launched its biggest air attack since their ground invasion 22 months ago. 44 of 158 Russian missiles evading Ukraine's Western-supported air defenses, killing and wounding civilians. This man, narrowly surviving, pulled from the rubble in Kharkiv. Schools, shopping malls, private homes and high-rises, even a maternity hospital hit. In the capital, this resident awoken by missiles at 7.30 a.m. It was a horrible sound. It was so frightening. The missile was flying and everything was buzzing, whirring, she says. I didn't know what to do. President Zelensky is accusing Russia of throwing nearly every type of weapon in its arsenal against Ukraine. Ukraine's air force describe a complex attack of interlocking waves of drones, bombers, fighter jets, crews, hypersonic and other missiles intended to distract and stretch air defenses. There was outrage and anger from European leaders, but Russia's complex assault appears intended not just to exploit weaknesses in Ukraine's air defense system, but its waning international support, highlighting Ukraine's need for European and US monies held up by internal politicking. In a week when Ukraine appeared to have turned its narrative to one of success, destroying a valuable Russian tank transporter ship in Crimea, reality appears to be a second winter under sustained, systemic Russian bombardment. Nothing changes. Russia's goal is the same, he says, to destroy Ukraine as a state and to destroy all rebellious Ukrainians as a nation. Resilience, now Ukrainians' best friend. And of course, it really is friends right now that Ukraine needs. And I think it was interesting listening to President Zelensky earlier today, not only appealing for more support and more help, but by saying it heard from different leaders and that he was very grateful for the support that he'd given them. And of course, this is a reminder of going back to last summer where Zelensky went to the NATO summit and he was criticized, frankly, there for not showing enough respect, if you will, enough thanks and gratitude for all the support that he was getting. Now, of course, he desperately needs that support and can see that it's potentially slipping away from him. And therefore, when he loses that support, Ukrainian people lose that support and the Russian bombers get through. Brianna? Certainly do. Nick Robertson, thanks for that report. Let's bring in retired Army General Joseph Votel, former commander of CENTCOM. Uh, General, thank you for being with us. You just heard Nick note Zelensky saying today that Russia used nearly every type of weapon in its arsenal, including these hypersonic Kinzals. What do you think Putin's objective was here, and did he accomplish it? Yeah, thanks. It's great to be with you. Well, I think from a tactical standpoint, as is kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, I think they're trying to test the air defense capabilities of Ukraine uh, and cause them to expend a lot of very precious munitions uh, that uh, clearly, uh, you know, the Ukrainians are dependent upon 
the NATO partners, the United States in particular, for providing them. So from a tactical standpoint, it's, it's focused on that. But more importantly, I think what, uh, what Putin and the, and the Russian Federation forces are trying to do is is really leverage the informational advantage going forward of this against this backdrop of internal U.S. domestic debate and, of course, uh, stalemated campaign in the in the East. And so, you know, what they what they accomplished here was, in addition to testing air defense, they reminded the Ukrainian people and government that they can do what they want when they want. They uh, attempted to impact uh, Ukrainian morale. They demonstrated their own strength and capability to domestic and international audiences and tried to portray themselves as as winners. And they've uh, uh, they've highlighted, you know, they've tried to highlight the futility of continued fighting in the in the east, and they further undermine international support for Ukraine. So, uh, this is an important action, and it does have some impacts here. Uh, Zelensky making a surprise visit to troops today on the front lines. He he has admitted Ukraine's offensive has not been the success that he hoped. Russia's controlling about 17 percent of Ukraine right now. Does he need a change in strategy? Uh, well, uh, yeah, they, they do. I mean, ultimately, when you look at the various outcomes uh, of, of this of this war, you know, in order for the Ukrainians to prevail, what they've got to be able to do is they've got to be able to manifest decisive maneuver in the east and demonstrate to the Russian uh, Federation that they have an operational military advantage. And they've been unable to do that. That might be possible if they get fighter jets and they're able to <clears throat> bring together all of these capabilities. But until they're able to do that, um, they, they won't substantially change the situation in the East, which, which will leave this in the kind of the frozen conflict state uh, that it finds itself right now. So yes, they, they need to be searching for different ways to create uh, more of an operational advantage. One of these Russian missiles traveled through Poland, right? It entered Polish airspace for a few minutes before crossing back over into Ukraine. This is the latest in a series of violations of NATO airspace by Russia. Poland tonight is requesting an explanation here. Russia's responding in the past hour saying that it will not give explanations. What are the implications here? Well, I, you know, I think I think the Polish are, are correct in demanding the facts and trying to trying to figure that out and then communicating what that what that is and, and Russia's response kind of speaks for itself. But I think the I think the implications here for not only Poland but for NATO the NATO alliance is that we have to be prepared and we need to we need to make sure that we don't allow Russia to set new norms. Uh, they are constantly pushing the envelope here to try to redefine what the normal operating state is here. And I don't think you can dismiss the fact that this may be something deliberate. Some of some of their some of their weaponry is smart weaponry and can be programmed to do this kind of stuff. So uh, we can't dismiss that. But we, it needs to be addressed. We need to get the facts and we need to be prepared uh, to to defend our to defend the NATO uh, NATO alliance. Why would they do that on purpose? Do you think? I think they're. I think they're testing. I think they're testing responses. Uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier, part of the reason for this massive airstrike, I think, was to test uh, the Ukrainians. But I think they're also testing the responsiveness of NATO in terms of this as well. So, to me, that would be a reason why they might be trying to put missiles or other things targeting, encroaching on uh, on NATO territory. Uh, just to see what uh, what the response of, of not not only Poland but the broader alliance might be. Yeah, where is the line, and how would you describe where the war is right now? 
Well, I think it's I think it's very clear. It's it's kind of stalemated. I think it's been described in some some ways as kind of a frozen conflict here, where there's neither side can uh, can gain an advantage in kind of the disputed territory. I think Russia controls somewhere between 15 and 16 percent of uh, Ukrainian territory in the east, and it doesn't seem any neither side seems to be able to make a breakthrough at this point. So I would describe this very much as a stalemated kind of frozen conflict. General Votel, it is great to have you. Thank you so much, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Out front now, George Beebe. He is the former head of Russia analysis at the CIA. Um, George, what does this indicate to you about what Putin is thinking and what he has planned here in the near term? Well, Brianna, I think he's really got a couple of objectives in launching this uh, strike on Ukraine. The first is retaliation. The uh, Ukrainians recently sank a large Russian naval ship that was in port in Crimea. It was apparently carrying a lot of uh, weaponry for Russian forces. And I think Putin wanted to show Ukraine and I think uh, show his critics inside Russia, his nationalist critics that have long uh, accused him of being too soft in dealing with Ukraine in the United States, that this kind of attack will bring massive Russian retaliation. But I think the other thing he's trying to do is to send a message to the United States and NATO that Russia is not running short of missiles uh, or drones, uh, that its ability to strike Ukraine is actually improving rather than weakening, and that uh, the West and Ukraine can expect more of this the longer this war goes on. As he planned for this, as Russia's military planned for this, how emboldened was he uh, by this disagreement here in the U.S. over whether to fund Ukraine further? Well, I think Putin thinks that he has the upper hand in this war right now, that things are going Russia's way. Uh, far from being a stalemate, I think he looks at the correlation of forces, Russia's population advantage, the fact that Russia is outproducing the West right now in, in artillery shell production by a factor of some 10 times. Um, and Ukraine is, in fact, running short of uh, air defense weaponry. Uh, they, in the past, have been shooting down 90% uh, or more of the Russian strikes that are coming in. This time, it looks like only about 75%. That's a significant gap. And I think Putin is thinking uh, things are going his way and will continue to go his way over time. So I think Putin right now is sending a message that uh, the longer this war goes on, the, the more it will uh, be to Russia's advantage. What could change his mind? What could change his calculus? Well, um, I think no country wants to go into a negotiation uh, and make concessions. You know, the Ukrainians don't want to do that. The United States and NATO don't want to do that. And I think Russia as well does not want to do that. But the, the, the reason why countries do compromise in ending wars is because the alternatives look worse. And I think for Putin, there are still some incentives to try to bring this war to a successful conclusion sooner rather than later. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Putin would be willing to enter negotiations and make some concessions, not over his fundamental goals in the war, not over whether uh, Ukraine can be a member of NATO or not. But uh, I think there is a prospect, if the United States were to pursue it, of finding some sort of compromise way out of this.